people with lovely faces, I am Zeiss. Nice to have you all back. Today, I have a very special episode because a couple of months ago, I got myself to London and visited Territory Studio. I had the insane pleasure of sitting down with David Sheldon Hicks, Marty Romances, Peter Sani, Ryan Rafferty Fielen and Nick Hill, who are all very, very, very talented people. Before we begin, I have a very short story to tell. I packed up all my recording equipment into hand luggage and flew out to London. However, in the transfer, something happened inside my uh, luggage case, my suitcase, because when I arrived and unpacked my things, my field recorder's screen had broken. I couldn't see anything on it. I saw that it was able to turn on and I did re test recording, which confirmed that it was indeed recording. However, I couldn't change any of the settings and I couldn't monitor if the audio quality was good, if it was properly recording or not, if it had stopped or not, you get the drill. So I was kind of flying blind, which is why the first five or so minutes of the recording have clipped. I noticed it thanks to the peak meter, Way too late, but I did notice it and uh, try to fix it on the spot. I did my best in the last couple of days trying to fix all the audio problems I had recording. Uh, on top of which was that we kind of on the fly decided to record the whole team instead of teams of two. I only had packed two extra microphones, so we had to share microphones in any case. So there's a couple audio problems is what I'm trying to say. And I did my best to fix them. I think it's listenable. It's not perfect but I hope you will forgive me. I did the very best I could. I'm not an audio engineer, sadly. Now, very shortly, I have to give big, big props and huge thanks to Eldina, who I believe works at the reception at Territory, for A, being a wonderful host, and B, saving my butt, because I had forgot to buy adapters for my EU AC-DC plugs, for my EU power plugs. Uh, she found out where I could buy some and showed me the way and uh, she really saved the recording of this podcast. So, Adina, thank you very much. And also to Daniel Hoyland. I hope I pronounced your name right, dude. But thank you so much for offering up your couch. You guys, you're all just so incredibly talented and lovely people. It was insane just getting to know so many great people in one place. Now, last but not least, Here's a tiny bit of cool info. Apparently, every member of Territory Studios designed one layer for the cover image for this episode. So it's a whole team effort, which I find really cool. Also, the cover is really cool too. In any case, have fun with this episode. It's really cool. We talked about a lot of different stuff that I really can't get into. You should just listen to it. But one thing I can tell you is that for all the times we have talked about Ex Machina on this podcast, this time we actually got the people and we talked about the whole project from start to finish. So without further ado, here you go. Territory Studio. Access granted. Hello, it's um, it's a pleasure to be chatting to you, Zeiss. It Thank was um, it was good to be following the podcast from the beginning <laughs> and listening to Corey. Yeah. Uh, so I'm David Sheldon Hicks. I'm creative director and one of the founders at Territory. I guess my role is to bring in the work and make sure that the work is doing what it should be doing for our clients and and working with our clients like the film directors and all that sort of thing to uh, yeah to produce some great work. Hey, hi, Zeiss. 
Hi. Um, so I'm Marty Romantes and I'm the art director here at Territory. Um, basically what I'm doing is designing and animating lately lots of the UI stuff we did for films and other concepts now lately for VR stuff, like everything is the styling, style frames, just creative concepts, but mainly designing and animating. Yeah. Hi Zeiss. Hi. Um, I'm Ryan rafferty Phelan. I'm a motion designer here. Um, I joined about two years ago, so I kind of design, animate, I guess we all do a bit of everything, so yeah, hybrid kind of thing. Cool. Hey man. Hey. I'm Nick Hill, I'm senior motion designer here at Territory. I guess like I'm a sort of 2D, 3D generalist and span over design, animation, 3D, lighting, rendering, all sorts, whatever's thrown in my direction, pretty much. So. Hi, my name is Peter Essany, and I'm the head of 3D here. As the title says, I do pretty much 3D stuff, but as Ryan said, all of us do everything to a certain extent, so we are not interchangeable, but we can do quite a lot of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody yeah, has their they're, they're all replaceable, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> including me, especially me. Oh, as a founder. Yeah, so, I mean, the idea was that um, everyone takes responsibility for the work that they do, and it, it's always the hope that people get to own shots and own the work. So for someone to do design and then hand over to an animator feels a little bit unfair and uncomfortable. And it means that people don't connect with the work as much. So as Peter said, he's head of 3D, but when he first came in, he was working on Zero Dart 30 and he was doing all the UI for that, all the CGI elements. He kind of owned all of those shots himself. Same for Marty, Guardians of the Galaxy. It was very much art direction first, but he was doing the 3D animation. He was doing all the 2D animation. It's the same for everyone here. I think you design in a different way if you know that you've also got to own the animation so that's really important to us. Um, how did you all get your start? The first time you went into this industry? How did I start? Yeah. I began years and years ago, probably the same time as Corey actually. Um, I remember Mr. Colloran um, doing some amazing work at the same time that I was also working on films. Everyone. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. His name comes up a lot. And it, he is really, really great. You know, his level of detail and realism in his work was really beautiful. Um, while he was working on the Bond franchise, I was working on the new, um, not the Bond, sorry, I was working on the Bond franchise while he was working on Bourne. And that was as a freelancer and then moved on to working on the Dark Knights, um, working with a guy called Andrew, who's now set up the company Blind. Mm -hmm. um, and then, yeah, just kind of jumped from agency to agency, began territory with two other friends and had no real ambition of going after film work at the very beginning. But the art department on Prometheus got in contact out of the blue one day and heard that I'd worked on some of those other films and approached us to do all the user interface work for that for that feature, which was obviously amazing. It was. Um, and that, that's what gave us our, our beginning in feature film work. Um, and then as territory grew, the kind of the films grew with it. And it was just, um, it's been amazing from, you know, day to day, really. Yeah, now you're a powerhouse. Uh, <laughs> doesn't feel like we're a powerhouse <laughs> looking around, but um, that's very kind of That's a good point. It's really, really odd because from my perspective, back in Munich, just in front of my screens, you guys seemed huge. Like I, I saw the pictures of the office and I thought that was a pretty cool office, but I had no concept of how big it actually was. Right, right. And it's much smaller and intimate than I thought it would be, but... 
the presence and the output you guys have is incredible. Yeah, I mean, we say. work pretty hard. <laughs> don't we? Uh, the, the guys here work really, really hard, um, and they do probably more work than they should do in 24 hours. <laughs> but uh, they, you know, it, it comes through with passion, I guess. Um, we were lucky to hit the industry at a time that uh, there was a lot of opportunity in the UK. Yeah, I, and I guess that's it. I guess we've we've kind of um, thrown a lot of passion and energy at it, and and every project kind of speaks for itself and leads to more. So hopefully that continues. Okay. How about you? Your start. So I'm originally from Barcelona, um, and my I studied multimedia design, and I find my own placement in one of the bus production houses there, uh, where I was uh, where I got offered a job, and I was for four years doing motion graphics for yeah some more focus on broadcast uh, tv advertising uh, after four years there uh, i was 23 uh, and i got an offer from activision here in the studio in the uk they were looking for a motion graphic artist and and actually i signed with them as a motion graphic uh, lead after a few projects i was you know i was seeing myself um, applying my skill set to a different industry, which I, you know, helped me learn a lot. After that, I did um, my first project as an art director for Nintendo. Mm -hmm. And after seeing how long the video games projects um, were taking, um, I wanted to go back to the crazy, a little bit more of a, the hectic uh, tempo and rhythm of, of the TV advertising. So I decided to look for a job uh, territory uh, that time. We're looking for an art director. Uh, and yeah, that's how I joined. And in here, I started doing all that UI for um, video games and films, which I really enjoyed. And uh, yeah, up to up to these days when we just like finished. In that case, The Martian was a pretty big project for me. But yeah, Guardians of the Galaxy, Avengers, and all that stuff. Yeah. And that's yeah, that's, and here I am. Very happy to be here. That I think is a very very nice. Studio and a very nice people to work with and a great environment. We're like a little family, and and I guess that that kind of helps a lot when you know when you work and uh, you, you as David said, we you know we spend lots of hours here, and it's effort and it's passion and it's a little bit mix of everything. Yeah. A lot of heart bleed. <laughs> yeah, but you know that's what we say. It's like if if it was easy, I'm sure the output will not be as rewarding as it is when you spend lots of, you know, lots of hours in it. Cool. Right. Um, okay, so I started um, kind of years ago as a web designer and I kind of was, I, I enjoyed it, but I wasn't really that into it. So I decided to kind of go and retrain and I went to university and did, uh, I guess, similar to Marty, I did a digital media design course at um, LCC in London. Um, and then in my second year, I did a summer internship at another studio um, called Spolv. Um, and then I finished my third year and then I did a short internship after that at uh, Vincent and those were awesome experiences they were really good met lots of people and in a way they kind of led to me being here because I met people that were connected to those studios so actually I met Marty it was the first time uh, yeah it was the first time I met someone from territory but I knew a lot about territory already from uh, from the industry mm -hmm. um, and then 
yeah, came in, met David, started freelancing. Actually came in on my first day and started doing some little bits on Guardians. They were really basic things, but I was really nervous on my first day. <laughs> Even though they too. were the most basic things I doing and now would be like, you know, nothing. But at the time it was nerve wracking. Um so yeah, did that for about six months, I think I was here. They end up? Ended up what do you mean? Where did those graphics end up? They're in the film. Which the end of the prior film? Which graphics? Oh, Guardians. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, the collector screens, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, actually, I started. The first thing I was doing was just resizing stuff. That was day one, and I, I was nervous just doing that. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Just re, like laying out uh, compositions in in a different way. It was just you know it was like because it was attached to such a big name, I didn't want to mess anything up. And um, yeah, no, it was fine. And then yeah, did some little designs for things, and they ended up in. Um, what are those things called at the end of the film? You know, Marvel do it all the time. Credits, yeah. yeah, the after, after credits. Yeah, yeah. So it ended up that was a really surreal experience seeing something like that. So I was in, I was watching. I can't remember what the film was that was on. Uh, the Captain Americas. Uh, Winter Soldier. Winter Soldier. Winter Soldier. Yeah. yeah. So I went to see that, and I had no idea that it was it was going to be at the end of that film. Well, neither did we. No, <laughs> we, we, didn't, we didn't know that. And I was sitting there, we wait as usual for the end, you know, after seeing credits for Marvel films, because we always know they're going to come up. And I'm, I'm looking at this graphic, and I'm like, that looks really similar to something that I made. Like, always. And I was like, yeah. I was like, oh my, that is actually the thing I made. It was like a really weird outer body experience. So yeah, that was, that was awesome. So did freelance work for about six months it wasn't it wasn't all marvel stuff it wasn't all fun it was some of it was more corporate things but you learn a lot from doing those projects as well lots of interesting experiences and then joined officially in february last year was it yeah so yeah i've been here for about two years and had some really interesting times like marty said we are definitely we're like a family we do a lot of stuff outside of work together yeah, we like to socialize and we like to have fun, but we all work hard and a lot of hours as well. So that's me. They run through it's the brain serious. and smarter than they call that mm. fun. <laughs> I'm saying we have fun because you're sitting next to us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's me. All right. Um, so for me, I guess my career started um, probably is in my second year of, of my degree I was doing a degree in motion graphics but um, I was in a class at one point I th- we were like we got mixed in with a bunch of graphic designers as well because there was only about eight people on our course but this one class a guy came in who was running like a fashion agency and was like oh I'm doing a competition I'm going to run a competition basically animating a graphics package for a football club it turned out the football club was Arsenal and like my dad and my brother are like absolute avid Arsenal fans so I was like damn I have to have to go for this like hadn't even really opened After Effects at this point I don't think I actually had opened it at all but I was like screw it I'm going to just go for it anyway and so like um, after like a bunch of meetings with the, with him and then every some other people from the class we would go and he gave us a bunch of PSD files. I think actually, I think it gave us one PSD. It was for this pro show called Arsenal 360. Okay. And we had to kind of go away and just like come up with some stuff. Yeah. And in typical client fashion, it was like, oh yeah, we just need to, you to do like, you know, some lower thirds. And that. it's like, oh, actually, no, we need you to do a title sequence. Oh, and now we need you 
to do some bumpers. And it's like <laughs> all from like one PSD, having never really opened After Effects, doing it on, <laughs> on my like my MacBook. I was like, Ugh. so like wow. had had some like crazy, crazy nights. Like, um, yeah, staying up super late, like just being pushed. Like I've never been pushed before. Basically, like ended up like breaking up with my girlfriend. It was kind of mental. <laughs> wow. Like, yeah, because she she'd come over from France to visit, and I was just like, I stayed at the studio like the whole week, kind of getting this stuff done. Surprise. And uh, end up like being all right. It's kind of kind of uh, a massive learning curve. But then, so basically, the prize was for winning this competition was like a twenty-seven inch iMac. Nice. So the guy negotiated. Well, me and the the creative director Nick Hardy at the time. It's a, a studio called Factory Three on One. He kind of said, "Oh, you know, if uh, if you do a bit more work for me, then I'll, I'll get you like upgraded RAM and all this stuff." So it's like, <laughs> okay, sweet. So I spent most of the most of the summer like working on Arsenal jobs, and then got this computer out of it. I was like, sick. And so that was like, that was in the second year of my degree. So I had, I still had like my final year to do and stuff. But then it meant that during my final year, I could take on like remote projects and um, also work on an iMac. So it's like, sweet. So by the time I graduated, I had enough kind of professional, <laughs> it didn't feel professional at the time, but <laughs> yeah, those kind of jobs go, I just jumped straight into freelance. I was like, I'd seen so many people get kind of caught up in that rut of like uh, leaving uni and then working in Tesco. So I was like, screw it, I'm just gonna sign on the doll <laughs> and like put a showreel together, put a CV together and just email, like I just emailed studios I liked and stuff. And we'd been doing like, one of my modules at uni actually was like to recreate or like dissect a, um, some work that We Are 17 had done. And so I got in touch with them after I'd graduated and like showed them my work and stuff. And they're like, yeah, cool. So I freelanced with them for a bit, freelanced with Spov, freelanced with like some super lame corporate things that <laughs> paid you really well. So I was like, oh, yeah. I just did one of those. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and then eventually I saw like a thing, I think it popped up on my Facebook a guy, Adam posted about territory looking for 3D artists. So I was like, sweet, sent David an email, got back to me really quickly, which is kind of, which is cool. And then, um, yeah, ended up freelancing here for like maybe about six months maybe a bit longer I came in again on the Guardian stuff I was animating a bunch of the Milano screens mm, like cool. doing the 3D and then animating as well I love those was screens was it Jupiter first or was Guardian nah first? God, literally because basically the first projects I came in on was the little like tiny Milano screens and I had to break it all apart and animate those oh um, that's the it en- you were the picking up Mugen designs yeah and yeah, that's, yeah. Them out. yeah and then I think then a couple of maybe weeks, not even that long later, then we went to Jupiter and went on set. It was like, yeah, I'm, but I'm I'm fairly certain the very first project was was Guardians. Cool. Because I remember there being all this talk of like, oh, we're working on a Marvel movie, we don't know if it's going to be good or not. Because like the characters. <laughs> no, sang no, no, it. Marvel. I didn't say. That. <laughs> <laughs> not, not you. Tonight. Some other random people who read the story. Some some <laughs> random. <laughs> yeah. I think that was me. <laughs> Some pleb on the street. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it obviously turned out to be amazing. Yeah, and then I went full time after. Maybe maybe it was still during. I think during the production of Guardians from our side anyway. Cool. And that's that. How about you? How did you get your start? Hi. Hi. Um, <laughs> I was born in Hungary. Yeah. <laughs> We've only got so long. Pizza. In 1975, no, 1974 actually. Um, 
<laughs> I studied <laughs> I studied television and communication. And um, after that, I started to work in advertising as an art director, first as a junior one. And that's when I started to use computers to create my own designs because I was fed up with working with photographers, like, you know, spending too much time on it. Actually, I started to use Bryce, if anyone heard of that software. No, no. I have a plan <laughs> right, cool. 3D, 3D worlds. Yeah. <laughs> so I started to use various 3D softwares and uh, getting more into design and, and um, while working still in advertising. And I obviously really enjoyed the creative part of being part of a team and coming up with ideas and, and make, making sure that they look good. That's where I had, had the chance to work with like various directors, learn more about film, how you know, a, a film shot is done, actually what are the production values that we are looking for and that kind of thing. And then I decided to sort of like go freelance and I started to do like 3D jobs for other advertising agencies as well as I started to search for other opportunities in Europe. And um, I did a bit of work for German stuff as well, German companies. <laughs> and then I, with my family, we decided to, all right, let's head for the UK because my brother lives here. And that seemed like, um, you know, that's where things happening. So I have to be here. And um, then I started to freelance for, I think, probably at one point I worked for some company that Marty worked for as well. What, which one? The, the BDA? BDA? Oh, BDA. Uh, no, they, they, they wanted to hire me. I said no. All right. <laughs> I, was, I was just freelancing. It was, a, it was a really interesting learning curve into, because, you know, I think one of the big differences between some other companies and companies based in the UK that it's quite fast and um, it's really demanding in, in, in one hand but really rewarding on the other hand so um, I started to do that then I got a phone call from David that they were looking for someone who knows uh, VRA and Cinema 4D on a project that starts quite soon so um, I was really interested in that kind of thing and then then I met David and the other guys and that was it because you know there was territory back then yeah quite a small yeah so back then we company. were a little room little office first year we were a little office up in a roof um, and we were sharing with another company called All City Media who created they create really beautiful film posters um, and then on the bottom floor was like a little meeting room we could we could squash in a couple of freelancers plus the, the few founders uh, and Peter came in at that point and was our first hire really and it's yeah it's just amazing to see it kind of have grown from a handful through to I think we're 18 now plus freelancers it looks like so. more than 18 yeah, yeah, and it's it's a lot busier than this sometimes, and sometimes it's a bit quieter, isn't it? But um, it's it's always nice to have a buzz around here. You see people's attitudes change when it suddenly picks up pace, and mm -hmm. you know you know that there's a lot of work going on in the studio. Quiet's down, lots of keyboard clacking. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> lots of headphones on. Uh -huh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, fantastic. Do you have a favorite project personally? And why was it a favorite, if you have one? Why are you pointing and at And the me? least favorite as well, but yours were not. Right, <laughs> I'm going to start with that. Well, that's, that's weird because um, every project I've been doing here, it's been, the latest has been my favorite. And so I, when, I, when I was working on Killzone, the UI, that was my favorite. Then we did Guardians, and that was my favorite. Then Avengers was my favorite. But <laughs> now my favorite now, uh, it's, uh, it's The Martian from Ridley Scott. We've been involved on that for more than seven months. Wow. I mean, that that one is very special for me because it's the first one that um, we were working with Daniel, with Peter, 
and Sam, mm -hmm. and David as the creative director, and Sam Hart, our producer. But for me, it was very special because it was the first film which I could own the design of the entire of the entire job, let's say. Mm -hmm. And that um, when when we have a, a big big projects like this, we have different teams and we own different sets, mm -hmm. like for Avengers. Uh, Nick and Jürgen and, and other people were like working on the banner and show screens. I was uh, on the Iron Man screens. You know, we, we kind of own different sets. And for the machine, it was the first time which I could like have ownership of all the sets. Yeah. And that's for me, that's why it's my favorite so Stand far. We we'll still have to see how it how it, is, it looks in the cinema. But also, <laughs> also we love Ridley. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Ridley's an amazing director to work with, and and brings yeah. something. You know, when he puts a lens on something, it will look great. And he he seems to be a fan of screen graphics for films. You know, he knows how to shoot it. Mm. He knows how to use it in a story. He's not shy of using it. Uh, and uh, he's probably better at using a microphone than I am. <laughs> <laughs> and he had an amazing team as a production designers yeah. like uh, Phyllis Dixon and Arthur and. It is an amazing pleasure to work with such, you know, such talented people yeah. in the film industry. It makes sense when I think back to, to Prometheus, the uh, the UI really popped there. And I mean, it was amazing UI, don't get me wrong, but the way he shot it was really, really good. Yeah, he I, he seemed to, and it was part of Darius's job as well as DOP, he wanted... You almost wanted to light the sets with the graphics. Oh. I don't know if that was I don't know if that was a plan from the very beginning, but as soon as as soon as graphics started turning up on set and they could see the effect of it and he started putting smoke in and you know starting to look at the the set as a living breathing thing with all these screen graphics going live. I think he he thought oh, there's an opportunity here and as soon as you do it on set I think the thing for Ridley was he was trying to do everything practically. He's done it with The Martian as well now, but he was a director that really supported as much hands-on craft as possible, so building the set for real whenever he could rather than going to green. So we had we had situations where he was asking us to do holographic tables for real. And we were actually trying to pair him back and say, well, that's not going to happen. That's going to be in post. But yeah, he re he really cared about the onset. And, and I think the reason for that is he, you know, he really wants to support actors and also the director of photography and getting something that's authentic. So the actors could react to the content that was on the screens. Yeah. So then you're just looking through the script, trying to find your little moments that you might be able to make a bit of digital content relevant to the performance. Mm -hmm. So there, there was moments where um, they're talking about going through storms and you, you know, you'd look at NASA and how they depict weather formations and think, okay, how can I sci-fi this up a bit and make it relevant to them? Um, so we, we always try and do that. We always try and find something that's relevant to the actor's performance. Then you're much more likely to get screen time. Mm -hmm. And that's that's what it's all about. You know, we want yeah. our work to be shot. And we've, we've gone through films recently where we're purely VFX delivery. And there's something different about watching that as an artist because you know all the shots you're going to be in. So you're, you're kind of, you've already seen the thing that's finally delivered. But what's beautiful about on set is you've got this nice little surprise. Yeah. You don't really know what's made it in. You don't really know how it's going to be used. Um, you suddenly see Charlie's Theron walking in, you know, in front of a piece of graphics. And you think, wow, you know, that's, that's incredible. So I'm as passionate about VFX graphics as I am about on set delivery. But um, Ridley definitely uh, enabled us as a studio to really prove that we could deliver on that. And I have to add, like when we talk about our favorite project, I think that is for everyone. Um, 
people might think that we've been doing these amazing projects all the time. I mean, at least for me, I've, I've been like doing like nine years of projects that I don't like and lots of things <laughs> that I don't enjoy. And finally, this is kind of a, I mean, I did some stuff that I liked, but it's, it's kind of a the big prize, right? Like we, we had all to work lots and lots of, as, as Ryan would say, like corporate stuff and other things that we really not enjoy as an artist, but we have to. And at the end, just working on these projects is like a big, is, is big reward and, and a big, big prize. But we we're not doing this. We've not been doing this for all our lives. That that's what I mean. I was just I was just thinking about um, what my favorite project is, um, and I think it's kind of it's interesting because when you're working on on the projects, you know the sort of Marvel film films or UI that type of stuff, it's not always your favorite project. Like on the day, there's like a lot of stress. Usually coming from Dave because he wants you to do. Like, Why is everyone looking at me? A week, he wants you to do a week's work in like an hour, <laughs> and they manage it as well. I have to add that. But so like, somehow, yeah. but after the fact, like you look back at the work and you're kind of like, oh yeah, that was actually that was really cool. Like yeah, that made it in, or you get to see the work and enjoy it afterwards uh, retrospectively. That's that's cool. I think you know it being a favorite project sometimes it can just be the challenge of the project it doesn't necessarily mean that it's something that you would put in your portfolio or it's the the best thing that you've done there's lots of things that you learn from while you're going through even the corporate stuff you know there's lots of things you you learn from that doing those projects that can be applicable throughout whatever you're designing so yeah i don't know really what my favorite project is at the moment there's you know i think everything is at its had its own challenge and i maybe you know, maybe going forward as I get more kind of ownership and things, I think I'm starting to enjoy more of, you know, more of the projects. I think I get more, um, I kind of know what I want to achieve earlier on. So I get kind of more time to explore that. Mm-hmm. I think I'm starting to enjoy that side of things more. But yeah, I mean, it's, there's nothing kind of cooler than going to the cinema and seeing your work in like Avengers. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Particularly when you don't expect it, when you're doing stuff that's um, playback, so it's going to be filmed on set, you don't always know what's going to be in, in the film. So it's, it's always a surprise, you know, like we go there and we, we kind of, we're seeing it at the same time as everybody else yeah. when we actually go and watch that. Um, and that's kind of different to say like Hitman, Agent 47, that's just come out. We kind of knew everything that was going to be in that because we've been given the shots and we were, you know, comping things in as well as designing. So it's, it's less of a surprise. Um, and it's interesting how that differs. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I would, I'm not sure yet kind of what my favorite is, but I think you get a lot out of everything, even the ones that you don't like. So yeah, I guess. Well, I have maybe th- three favourites uh, in the in the running. They're all very recent projects, but I don't. Really, I can't talk about. Definitely can't talk about two of them because they're pitches, and one of them I'm not really sure if I'm going to talk about. But so I'll talk about. <laughs> I'll talk about the reasons why they're my favourite <laughs> projects. I don't know which ones. I don't know. Can you sweet? So um, I was working on a Capital One pitch with David um, a couple of weeks back, and that was a hell of a lot of fun because. Um, David's given me more opportunity to step into the realms of art direction and design like fairly early on because I guess I've I generally have more of a production based role I do design and get to do that sort of stuff but on the whole I'll be a lot more involved in production of 3D assets and 3D animation or just animation in general so recently having the, the chance to kind of get more involved in the, the early stages has been like amazing and 
it's always lots of fun. Like, so the, the Capital One pitch was a lot of fun for that, having like a few days solid, solidly, like, I guess, put in put into action all of those kind of production skill sets, but just purely focus on the way that stuff looks and not like taking it through to final delivery. I find like the pressure of deadlines is, is so different. Like, it's way more inspiring yeah. from when you're doing the kind of concept stuff. The deadline is just like, it's just an, an external energy that pushes you forward. Whereas I guess oh. in production, it's yeah. an external energy that, grind you down <laughs> because it's never quite good enough but at least in the beginning you kind of you can you kind of uh, get lost in in the beauty of what it might be or what it can be yeah. so that's kind of cool the other one is like what something that we're all collectively currently working on um is a title sequence for off cincinnati mm-hmm. and that's been a hell of a lot of fun because there's been an, a huge amount of creative freedom so we basically are our own client so that's obviously thrown up challenges but at the same time it's it's great because like that is like the, just the infinite blank canvas and we've slowly but steadily been making breakthroughs and it's, yeah i had a lot of fun like totally nerding out like the guys would tell you over a few days just like making this kind of deconstruction of the off logo that kind of connects all back up in 3d like because i'm super into like I'm imagining kind of, something Transformer-like. Kind of. Like, it's sort of maybe Transformers meets Monument Valley meets some sort of, like, physical desktop logic logic puzzle, I guess. Like, that's kind of w- how it felt in my mind because I was having to figure out how this thing would work, basically how you kind of build it up and stuff. <laughs> you so. can see this, but the smiles all around are fantastic. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Ryan was like, oh, hey, how's it going? Like, you've been just lost in this world for like three days. Like. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's cool. But um, yeah, as, as Ryan said, and as the other guys have said, it's, I guess it's not all, it's not all ups. It's like, it's peaks and troughs. Like, like that's, that's the industry. And um, but I guess like, I think maybe Danny Yunt said once, like, it's not life and death. So it's kind of easy to get sucked into this, like, downer of like maybe when you're not working on great projects especially when you've had a taste for the good projects yeah. like i think it's it's very important to like be mindful of the fact that you have to take the rough with the smooth and then yeah we're not saving lives or anything so it doesn't really matter in the day who cares if you're working on like a not so good job for a, a couple of weeks you know everyone has shit days at the office as such so having said that i guess my my worst project if i'm allowed to say that is probably um the the Virgin Atlantic in Chance. Australia. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it was waiting. <laughs> Edit a brand client. Yeah, yeah. Okay, was uh, a brand client we were working for. We had to make a bunch of instructional videos. But the thing is, is like again, there were lots of positives because it was there was there was like some good good aspects, but um, it was just it felt like it was never going away, and it was it was it was challenging. Right. <laughs> <laughs> You asked oh, our best and our worst, right? That's fantastic. You can cut that. We'll just have to give a whole list. Like, I, 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 I just, I just leave it out. And, re- and then we can do pickups later. <laughs> I, I hope they're never going to listen to this. <laughs> Print out the server, the names from the server. Well, you start. know, maybe it's not even recording. We will never know. <laughs> so, um, you know, all the guys mentioned that their favorite project is the one that brings some challenges and, and, and gives us some rewards. I think I probably would like to nominate one of them. It's going to be... <laughs> one of them is going to be Mouse, which was a, that very short film for this guy called Oliver Daly. And it was basically just... A, we had quite a bit of freedom to, to come up with ideas. 
and it's always really good when you have that kind of freedom. Yeah. And um, we it's had probably a, also useful that the director, the director was directly in touch with us. Yes, it was yes. a direct blur communication between us, the director, mm -hmm. and their team, and he was very open to you guys, to suggestions yeah, and ideas, and, and that was that was brilliant. Uh, I also, as Nick said, I love pitch work that that gives us a bit of. <laughs> All right, you can you can do whatever you want to do yeah. within certain limits. Um, but the other thing that I learned uh, in the years is um, I always try to I, I'm not always managed to do that, but I always try to find something positive about every project, mm -hmm. whether it's just like the process of trying to stay positive, <laughs> or actually like you know, all right, this is now now we can test a new method of you know just try to do it this way so we may be going to be able to use it on a, on a, on a very cool project so yeah. we can speed it up and i think yeah we all have ups and downs but i think generally if you keep that in mind that we we are all in a in a lovely place in in life and in, in the industry and and we have the opportunity to work with you know fantastic people in the studio and, and outside the studio that's that's really cool i really love it thanks peter no <laughs> I haven't mentioned the worst project. Wait a minute. <laughs> that was the most tentative series of questions for me. <laughs> what was the worst project? <laughs> well, what was it? For oh, me, yeah. well, we've had a, I've had maybe one or two clients that we've had to sack. Mm -hmm. um, and that's, that's more down to miscommunication than anything else, you know, either on their side or our side, probably mostly their side. Mm -hmm. But we've, we've had lots of great projects here we've been very fortunate i think the problem with film is it tests you to the very end i remember freelancing on films the first two i think i came out with them and just thought i'm never working on a film again and then you see it and it sucks you back in and i've tried to create an environment here where it doesn't quite kill you mm -hmm. they will demand and i'm i tend to be the conduit for those demands yeah. and and finding ways to protect the team whenever i can so that they can still be creative. And, mm -hmm. and part of that is we took the activity of creating screen graphics away from set and do it from our agency here rather than being on set and okay. being caught up in some of the politics that can come with that. Mm -hmm. um, also just introducing producers into the process so that you know time is managed and expectations are set. And then just people being very good at what they do. Okay. Right? Everyone here is constantly questioning their process. They're always thinking about better ways of doing things. That doesn't come from me. That just comes from their desire here to do things better than last time around. Right. And they all do that. They all do that on their own, you know, their own time and energy and stuff. So uh, we're lucky like that. Do you still sometimes go to sets? Or do, would you like to go to set if you yeah. haven't been to set yet? We, we do. Go on. We, we do. We do. We do on set. And I think... Is 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 a very very is very rewarding when you when you get to see how they use your work yeah. and how the DOP you know use that sometimes even to play with the illumination of that screens and you see it you see it all together and um, I think sometimes it's not as comfortable to work from set because people might think like we have a massive workstations there or desks and sometimes it's just like a laptop on the corner just um, editing some of your After Effects files or Cinema 4D files and rendering fast because... Or just quick times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, so it's a bit hectic sometimes, but it's it's really nice to to be there in a way uh, we, we kind of have a little bit more of control on how ours, you know, our work is displayed. Mm -hmm. um, because if something is not right, we can just like change it in there on the fly, on the go. 
I think in like a semi-childlike way, it's just even more amazing when you see the movie. Like David and I went down to the the set for Guardians when they they built the Milano. They'd like built a two-story like metal spaceship with like solid interiors and stuff, and you could actually walk upstairs in it. It's just like unreal. And then so when you it's like not only do you watch the movie and say, like, oh, that's our, there's our work. It's like oh, we actually were in that spaceship. Obviously, we weren't in the galaxy like a hundred million light years away, but <laughs> maybe next time. Yeah. But yeah, it's you cool. Know, it's, I think we have um, between uh, Nick Ryan and me, we have a. Uh, very good and a little bit sour experience on set when we were like for um, uh, working on fine wood. Oh, and yeah, uh, yeah. we kind of we went we were working for a few months on the new Star Wars and and that was <laughs> uh, and that was like a, a a big thing just to be working in in the art department with them and see the chihuahua you know three different chihuahuas walking around you and, <laughs> and things like I'm that you know world. being being around that wall that's like. It's like being a kid on a big, big playground. Yeah. I especially liked um, Pinewood at about 6 p.m., which was probably about halfway through our day. We would just start going mental without even really realizing it. We were just like, because I think we were sat like two of us side by side and one behind, but we would just start spouting just random words, like literally. We were we were literally like in a box, though. Like yeah. it was like a shoebox room <laughs> hidden away. Like we, I think we had to get like internet put in there and so they just didn't have anything at the, all the Wookiees definitely had more space than you guys did <laughs> yeah the, the Wookiees were next door ah yeah okay yeah, I, I suspect the Disney department. are readying their lawyers right now <laughs> uh, so all we can say about that project is we, uh, we were on it for a period of time we won't be the final credited studio mm -hmm. um, but it was yeah it was, it was great to be a part of the process yeah, yeah. dream come true yeah. it was a good bonding experience for us as well yeah, he's like Bondi, the stay, is staying in a hotel for like what was it three, yeah, three was four a days or something. Lovely hotel. It was <laughs> the, <laughs> the wrong podcast for those stories. <laughs> the worst. Not telling those stories. <laughs> no, what this what is happened is at Riverside. Podcast. At Riverside. <laughs> I think at plastic sheets and uh, yeah. oh yeah, God. As Nick, alcohol. as Nick said, um, when you are in, inside of those sets that you end up seeing on film, and you you realize. The amount of work behind it when we were going to the Avengers, they created the two or three f last floors of the Stark Tower, which is mm -hmm. the Avengers Tower now. And you, you realize the amount of work behind that. They build like a section of a tower. That's not VFX. That's not, yeah. you know, that's a massive prop yeah. on a even massive, more massive Sounds warehouse. Yeah. And and they have motorbikes there, and they have cars, and they have all that stuff. It's like a proper, proper, mm -hmm. the, the biggest set uh, I ever been, I think. Yeah, yeah. I guess it. it um, you, you hear that saying like the magic of film or the magic of cinema, but like you really realize the magic, as it were, when you see the sets. Like you see that it's like, how have you made like this elaborate sort of story or sold this elaborate storyline from? A warehouse, like yeah, it's I amazing. Think, I think that comes across when you watch the films as well. Like I know it's a massive difference between things that are completely CG and things that are, you know, practical. Like there's such a huge difference there, and there's always that quality that comes through. I think when you actually watch the film. So um, I, I must agree with the guys that you know if there's some sort of a, sort of like if if the world is understandable and plausible. Mm -hmm. They're always, not always, but most of the time foretells that's going to be like at least a film that 
the details been looked at. Yeah. If you know what I mean. Um, the last one I went to was uh, Mission Impossible. First of all, it's fascinating to see that everyone works for a, a common goal. Yeah. So, you know, the big actors and, and the last runner, they all want to sort of like finish the shot or, or, or the film or, or that certain thing that they do. And as the guy said, the amount of detail that you see there, which is not in the movie, you don't see that. You just you just feel that world is you know plausible. Yeah. And you know if it's it's probably easier if it's the CIA headquarters, but you know if it's a, a planet somewhere else in the universe, that's that's a big challenge, and yeah. it's always really cool to be a part of it. Yeah. I think um, with the CG is that you only notice bad CG. Mm. When it's done badly, you see it immediately. When it's yeah. done well, you don't see it at all. Just take it as a yeah, that's part of the scene. Of it, isn't that it? happens with uh, UI sometimes as well. Yeah. If you, sometimes UI doesn't, and it has to be like flamboyant uh, and like big and glowy and flashy. Yeah. Sometimes there's, there's there's no need for that, and when you don't notice it, it's because it's well integrated and yeah. it's well designed for the set and servicing you know one purpose. Yeah, I think just talking about that, you had an experience on Avengers when um, with the Quinjet. Yeah. You, you started yeah. um, designing something that was like really intricate and then you yeah I think that that happened because we were like just we just finished Guardians of the Galaxy which was like very much from another galaxy uh, graphics alien graphics and mm -hmm. we, we, we were not having any you know any sequels and prequels in that case we could like design from scratch with the Avengers everything had to be like more grounded yeah. and when I just started designing the Queen Jet screens I did it like as if it, I was still in Guardians of the Galaxy well uh, so it was like extremely futuristic mm. it was uh, but then you look at the props that they designing and they all that design the 3D cockpit they have and you understand why they finally asked us to do a, a more real avionics style for those screens because the props itself they, they are already futuristic yeah. and, and all the set will be already extremely futuristic and high tech they just needed to drop some real world stuff there to be you know for, for the people to believe it more mm -hmm. uh, because at the end of the world yeah, at the end of the day um, the Avengers are people who are superheroes but they are from here and yeah. they're helping people well, yeah <laughs> except uh, but but yeah that was a good example on seeing how how we had to how we had to steer and how we had to swerve a little bit from uh, extremely futuristic and flamboyant style to a more realistic one yeah definitely we we take the design work here i guess from the point of view of it's not about house style I, hopefully it isn't. I, I think some people, I, I watch Twitter and I say, oh, is ter territory do that? And it's a little bit like territory. And I was like, oh, I don't, I don't necessarily like that comment because I, I hope that our design reacts to the brief. So you, you take a script, you see what the art department are doing and you 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 take those vibes and you, and you run with it. And I hope that we're not imprinting our own personal looks on things. Looking at, I work on Ex Machina, Mm -hmm. is very different to say Jupiter Ascending which in turn is very different to Avengers Age of Ultron in, in each way we're, we're really taking vibes from the director and the production designer mm -hmm. and letting that flow through our own abilities to um, then impress them mm -hmm. um, with what we can do and can bring to it also you've got different narrative points um, in each film and you need to tell different stories so sometimes we'll be purely backgrounds with Ex Machina we were much close more closely tied with the director and the script mm -hmm. we knew that we needed to deliver user interfaces that 
lent authenticity to the story. We knew that Alex Garland wasn't going to um, just deal with some digital fluff and be happy with that. Yeah. There needs to be real thought and depth to it. Not to say that Avengers Age of Ultron was fluffy, but... The, the, the context of the universe yeah I guess so it needed to feel like there was a level of complexity to it so if mm. you see an Iron Man suit you know this guy's flying around in a great big metal suit yeah. uh, he must have some quite advanced technology to kind of make that legitimate so you're you're building in details to, to lend that uh, superhero universe and a level of believability to a degree um, and they also have a, a visual sophistication that's already inbuilt in that Marvel universe. So oh. you have to, you have to follow. And you know, Jay Z and, and everyone else that's kind of gone before us, we we're fortunate to pick that up and and add our own flavour to it. Um, so yeah, I, I I resist the kind of the house star, but I bet it is there. I'm sure people can see the territory way in at times. Yeah, well, question, I, I, I can't speak for anyone else, but I've certainly tweeted that looks like territory. I but, think, yeah. uh, just to add on that, I think there is one thing that could differentiate a little bit from all the uh, work we've seen in, in FUI, and is that the fact that we treat every single screen, even it, if, even even if it's briefed as a screen that is going to be in the background, blurred, and it's just like on the screen, we we treat them as if as if they were all hero screens, to you know, to the maximum detail. If you uh, get to see one of the screens uh, as in an illustrative file you could and you can zoom in you'll realize the amount of detail that get lost maybe but we don't want to uh, we don't want to risk it we don't want there to design something that is not ready to be in front of the focus just because the director just decided to change the camera angle mm -hmm. and then our screen is like big big massive on screen so we, we designed to the detail yeah and that's really scott's fault <laughs> our first film with him i didn't know what was going to end up on full frame he gave me no warning whatsoever oh, so nice. since that point we've just kind of been on our guard <laughs> and it's like i don't care if they say it's background it might not be let's, let's yeah. make it beautiful but that's precisely my point is that when i see screens and i didn't know that you guys worked on it and i have the thought that looks like territory it's because um, this sounds like ass kissing and maybe it is but in any case <laughs> Uh, it's because the quality is always just top-notch and every single time I watch a different movie It looks like something very specific just designed for this. I mean, this is what everyone does But you guys do it better than most. Thanks That's I think because um, right in the beginning, I think he sort of like pushed us quite a few times to to go back and take another look at it mm -hmm. uh, because it wasn't simply good. I'm mean, like, you know, someone could say that it was good, it, it looked nice, but, you know, he sort of felt that there's there's a bit m more to do on it. And and uh, we sort of like got used to that kind of thing that we, amongst ourselves, we never never say, all right, that's that's the final one, that's that's perfect. Yeah. If there's any way to improve anything, uh, we, we try to do that. And quite often we sort of like, tell one another like some ideas or suggestions or, or stuff like that so it's it's we don't um, sort of like intervene into other people's work mm -hmm. but when we work together we always try to suggest like all right you know I think that could be probably a good idea to try that and and um, I'm, I'm pretty much convinced that all of us sort of like are able to take 
that on board. Yeah. So it's not really ego here. Yeah, of course. And, and, and that's very important. Partially that comes down to David's ruthlessness in the beginning, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I'm raising an eyebrow. Uh, <laughs> Six uh, o'clock. Oh, you have to go. I, I think the film industry does that to you. I, yeah. think, I think seeing your work in a film for the first time, then you suddenly get it. Yeah. And you don't need me to say it. But yeah, it's yeah. getting you. It's getting everyone past that first film yeah, where it's yeah, yeah. okay. I've got to put my name to that. Oh crap! That's thirty foot high. I didn't spell check it. <laughs> you know, there's and then suddenly there's there's no need for me in the process at all. And the guys just they they own all their own projects. You know, when you see Marty or Ryan or Nick or Peter heading up a project, they have headed up the project. They have been on the phone to the director. They have been talking to the director about the script and how the graphics might be able to tell that part of the script. There's very little for me to be in there normally it's early day conversations and and making sure that their side understands how we need to work to work well but beyond that everyone's kind of talented enough here to kind of just hold the project and run with it and i think because they're all so invested i don't need to whip them as much (laughs) yeah but you you set the ball in motion yeah, you, don't, you shouldn't overlook that. You set set it off on a on a good leg, and we pick pick that up. I think like we're all fortunate as well to be doing a a job that is essentially kind of our hobby in a way as well. I mean, we're all designing and you know animating, but that's something that we we kind of want to do. It's not that something that we're kind of forced to do, um, and therefore it's something that we all want to be kind of as good as we can be and and to push things forward every time so whenever we're given the task to design something this is a kind of it's a new challenge for us to create mm-hmm. something else and we've done what we've done before but let's see what else we can do now so it's it's, it's always exciting and it's always nice to have a new project because it gives you that opportunity to to kind of learn something new and try something new and hopefully do something more interesting than you've done before mm-hmm. and also on, on on when we're talking about user interfaces for films we, we've all seen amazing stuff done by others so it's like they there's a there's a level there's a line set there that we all want to maybe not do it better but at least hit that line and do it in our way and give it our own twist and i think that's an extra that's that extra mile that we we always try and always push for here i think some of your other podcasts have touched on that that um, it's actually quite hard to make the stuff look original. Yeah, I think there's a blog out there that's all sci-fi interfaces are blue, and you know <laughs> that that idea that um, we can't do anything else with this format now. It's all tried and tested and done, and I think that's that's just copying out. You know, I think we need to find new ways of doing this stuff. It's being used as an expressive medium sometimes by some directors. It's being used as a statement on the future by others. It's certainly being used as a secondary character in some films. Now, you look at Jarvis, and that that's, yeah. that's a character in itself within the movie. We're in an exciting time where movies are welcoming the view of technology it makes a statement about where we are today. It makes a statement about where we want to be going in the future. Mm-hmm. And as FUI designers, we're getting to be a part of that. We're learning from expert storytellers. You know, film directors, they know how to entertain people. They know mm-hmm. how to tell great stories. And we're, we're doing it under an immense amount of pressure, which demands a very high caliber of delivery. Yeah. And with those two pressures in place, it's very easy to be iterative mm-hmm. and to just do what you did last time. 
So I think we put on most of our effort into that early creative briefing, that early kind of set of inspiration. You know, there's a there's a danger around Pinterest that all of our references are the same. Uh, I look at other people's Pinterest boards and think, oh no, we're all just going to end up doing the same film interface work. So finding original influences, references to kick that off has been kind of integral to our process. Again, it comes down to Ridley. Mm -hmm. he, he set up a brief on Prometheus, which was all around basing interfaces on underwater sea life rather than, you know, Iron Man or Minority Report or some yeah. other filmic reference. And from that point, I think our springboard on interfaces has always been from a very original place. Nick had the brief of dealing with weather maps, isometric ISO lines yeah. from weather maps for Jupiter Ascending. That was a great brief from the production yeah. designer. We took that and ran with it. You know, on Avengers, we had the idea at you know, the time 3D printing was very important. So we ran with that as a, an animation reference. And a lot of that came through in the way that we scanned things in onto screens. Guardians of the Galaxy was 80s, wasn't it? 80s retro yeah. vibe meets alien, <laughs> yeah. meets Marvel, meets God knows what else. And, <clears throat> and the director was very influential and inspiring in that respect. So I think it's always trying to find that original starting point mm -hmm. and, and not letting this become too iterative and, and so that we're not, you know, just polishing up the same thing time after time after time. Yeah, because if you look at references and you start looking at UI references, you're just going to end up doing a mashup of that a different uh, UI that it's being already done mm -hmm. so you have to find inspiration from from other other different yeah, fields you've got to keep them broad like you know I think I, I, know, I look at everybody else's boards in in here anyway like I think we all tend to look at things like fashion and photography and try and architecture that, that kind yeah of architecture yeah. for sure lots of form stuff going on in there and yeah there's so many more interesting references to that I guess sometimes you don't even realize that they're influencing you. You're just looking, you know, it's important to just look at lots of different things and, and be interested in lots of different things. And that tends to influence your work yeah. sometimes subconsciously. And, and, you know, and that's a, a good message for whoever wants to, you know, it's in this IFUI world. It's a message for Marty. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's a message. Uh, uh, no, but, you know, if you end up looking at reference, you, you might end up without knowing uh, with a copycat of something that is already being done. And we, we found ourselves in this situation where we've seen someone doing, uh, you know, uh, futuristic interfaces like there. Well, that's exactly like looking very, very similar <laughs> to this screen we created for this film. And, and that's like a risk that you can have, right? That's awesome. Yeah, you should always try and put yourself in the mix as well so that you can get references, but it should, should come through you. So and that's when that's when the good stuff happens. It's not just like derivative of those references, but it's been like fed through you as a kind of vehicle, and then it, what comes out is like an amalgamation of all of that plus a bit of the way that you see it. So that's kind of how I see it. I think everyone, most of the people, go through that phase when they see something really good and yeah, I want to do that. That's that's really amazing. But you know, as the guy said it, it's take it a step further, filtering it through yourself, and and you know, just add your own points and references and and i think you know the as we said the good thing about what we do i think is although we are sort of like kind of shoehorned into a very narrow niche well we don't really think about stuff that you know we don't think that everything else needs to be in that niche and what we look at the references and stuff like that and and and, and it's like you know if you look at the pattern on this table that could influence us 
to come up with something that obviously Very organic. Uh, is, so mm-hmm. it's it's yeah, that's that's how we try to do the things. We already used that one. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are stealing my questions. So what that was my next next question to ask where you guys draw inspiration from. What I in lately like to do is look at <laughs> Uh, a subreddit which is called not gone wild but gone wild so the e missing it's just geometric looped animations nice that look really cool it's like a ball twisting out into a triangle and twisting back into a ball and stuff like that it's really nice and uh, I like to draw inspiration from there because it's really smooth and just nice. the keyframing is so sweet <clears throat> so I guess I'm, I'm skipping to my next question I think you... for the inspiration um, we all here you know uh, we're known as territory but uh, we all have our own Pinterest and yeah, I think that's exactly what I'm asking whoever wants to follow us follow Marty on Pinterest <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I have a thousand followers now <laughs> more more <laughs> no but you know um I don't know if it it could be useful for you know us to to give a little bit of the insight. We're gonna have everyone's Pinterest, yeah. so you can create your own territory from work and from home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but for, I guess from a from a non visual point of view, I like to watch um, a lot of documentaries, and I guess in some respects, maybe documentaries that aren't necessarily about like good things, things that kind of make you slightly angry at the world. Because mm-hmm. I find like it how Hitler mo- succeeded. <laughs> yeah, it's like that kind of stuff sort of motivates me to to do something. Uh-huh. I think so much of our industry is about what you do. So it's like you you get inspired by everything around you like all the time. And then when you like for me, I, I look at Pinterest every day. I look at everything every day. Like I bought some weird little like glass thing with some text on the bottom for like three pounds at the weekend because I, I loved it. It's just like I just like but in terms of like actual like getting the energy and the motivation I find like watching weird documentaries like things like the zeitgeist and all that kind of stuff mm, that yeah. like really makes you kind of I guess like angry at, at like the way that things maybe are and stuff it kind of motivates you to have a sense of your own sense of purpose I feel like those external things for me kind of give me a bit of energy and drive to do something and it's kind of different it's not just necessarily like what I look at but other things maybe and podcasts sometimes yeah, on, yeah. on how to no I mean not yeah, only yeah. about design no about design FBI but uh, we're here um, all you know following different podcasts on different things on yeah. we yeah. all yeah. exercise 20 podcasts on my phone right now <laughs> <laughs> so yeah things that, things to motivate you know uh, your everyday and, and we even if we really enjoy our work we'll have bad days and we'll have so uh, that could be like a, a good thing as an inspiration to go to work and do something better every day. I think you know this is the this is the the magic and the curse of of this industry, isn't it? That we all so much in love with what we like to do and what we love to do that you know sometimes it's very hard to stop or or sort of like step back because, as you said, it you you don't stop designing at six o'clock. It's it's that's. That's a lifestyle, isn't it? Yeah. So, and that's hard because the, really the hard. business business meets creativity. That that that's the killer, and it it brings an amount of soul searching <laughs> involved in that because it's a film industry. Yeah, you know, and, and there's an audience, and either they're going to pay for the money to watch it or they're not. And you read a script, and you don't know if it's going to be a great film at the beginning, and you hope that your great work is aligned to a great film. 
but sometimes you can do great work for a film that sucks and and people don't remember that because they remember that the film sucked uh, some of my most sucky work was on some really great films which really <laughs> bugs me um but <laughs> yeah people still love my work because it was better a great than film. the other way around <laughs> yeah though. i mean yeah. just imagine the your best work on a shitty film that no one watches. I know, I know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> one or two of those. Next, next question. Next question. <laughs> I have a question for you all, uh, and that is the terminology of the FUI business. Because in the last two years, uh, let's say two years ago, the term FUI wasn't really used much. I've certainly never heard FUI designer two years ago. But now I do. And... When I look online on IMDb to search who did what on the movie, uh, it's really hard to find who did what because apparently FUI designers mingle in three different departments, either camera, VFX, or uh, graphics. Yeah. Um, and it's usually denoted as, I'm looking at the FUI wiki. Check it out, check it out, check it out. Mm -hmm. I have written down computer playback operator, computer video playback operator, video playback operator, 24 frame playback operator. <laughs> In some rare cases, onset screen graphics, computer screen graphics, lead interactive designer, motion graphics designer, future technology designer, or screen graphics artist. These are all things I have found of... Uh, Mark Kolarin has half of them credited yeah, to him. Yeah, yeah. It's insane and really well, stupid. I, I don't know if it was Mark that coined the term FUI. Um, he is, yes. He, he did. So I remember him bringing out his first showreel when I was on Casino Royale. Mm. Um, and he did a great job of shooting that stuff. He you know, picked out some really great close-ups and um, just masterfully edited as well and just great design and for a great film as well which, mm -hmm. you know helps it i think it's by nature of we started out all of us doing this within pockets so mark was at a company called useful company mm -hmm. um, myself and andrew from blind at the time were at a company called avc you had Corey, who i'd never heard of at the time <laughs> doing stuff over in in vancouver um and a, and a couple of little outposts so it was a bit like the way in which the motion graphics industry grew up as well, because you had design doing its thing, you know, over on the right, and you had VFX doing its thing over on the left. And this, there was this realization, maybe from graduates at the time that I was coming out, that motion graphics could be a thing where you mm -hmm. combine the two together, and you you bring decent animation and production value, and you combine that with good graphic design, and that gives you motion graphics. Well, that's my my definition of it. Um, and so, motion graphics was kind of you know very early days doing broadcast graphics and all that sort of thing, and they're even more niche within film. And the 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 art department didn't really know what it was called. Sometimes it was a graphic designer that just knew how to use a computer and mm -hmm. would do a bit of screen graphics. Other times it was specialist hardware rental companies that found a way, yeah, that found a way to program it and do all of that sort of thing. You know, CompuHire, AVC, useful company are also doing their sort of thing over here in the UK. Yeah, um, and you had UE or Blackbox Digital as they were back then over on the west coast, and and a lot of good, you know, you've got um, Scarab and all those guys up in up in Canada. But we were all doing it in our pockets. And I guess we were kind of figuring out what to tell production, what to tell the art department that we were doing and, and describe describe that. Yeah. So I think a lot of these terms have just kind of grown up in isolation. I don't think within film production anyone calls it FUI. I think we use that as a way to describe 
describe what we do to yeah. the outside world like motion graphics community get what FUI is now yeah. but if you went to an art department you might say screen graphics so on set playbook are the, the talented engineers like computer hire that go on set and deliver our graphics yep. there um, and they're very much hardware and, and, and all that side of things but yeah I, I tend to call it screen graphics or motion graphics designer or, or something like that but um, yeah I'd love to get a consensus on it but FUI designer doesn't seem to be sticking within the industry. Yeah, sometimes it's artists, sometimes it's designers, sometimes it's something completely different, which is why I would like your inputs. What would you like to call yourselves on IMDb? I don't know. I think in, in my case, you know, as in here, I'm happy to say like, okay, I'm master I'm, of the universe. Thanks, <laughs> thanks, Ryan. Master of universe, Marty Romances. That, that, that could be. Now, so I think it's, uh, we are all designers and... And um, we do screen graphics in this case. If we have to say what we do for films, I would definitely say like a screen graphics designer or screen graphics animator or whatever. But do people ever really understand that? Because um, whenever I'm explaining to someone, I'm like, you know, you know, like when Tony Stark like presses a button and there's nothing there. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's what we do. <laughs> yeah, I think it's, it's, it's very funny. It's, it's very, it's very funny because lots of people. I think they think that all that is green screen, and they when they realize that you actually are designing something that they gonna have, in, you know, playback on set, it's there where people like get a little bit surprised, like wow, because if that was VFX, then we could call ourselves VFX artists, and that's it. We specialize in something, in this case, screen graphics, but because it's not VFX, so most of the times, yeah, I think screen graphics designer, oh. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. Screen graphic designer, I mean, it's kind of makes sense to me. It's screens and graphics. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not make it complicated. <laughs> but it's not always screens. Sometimes it's holograms and yeah. other things. Yeah, yeah, I guess, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, as the, as the kind of medium changes from screen to, you know, middle floating in the air. <laughs> because sometimes with the FUI, We're talking about user interfaces, but sometimes we're not doing any user interface. We're creating graphics, for example, for uh, you know, signage. yeah, oh, signage uh, for uh, an alien planet that needs some signage on, on the streets. Or, and this is the, we we design and animate those as mm -hmm. well, and yeah. these are not user interfaces at all. Would be VFX, I guess. Oh, uh, in that case, yeah. yeah. But that's what yeah. I mean. Like, as in when we're talking about UI, sometimes it's more about graphics that mm -hmm. the film is going to end up using. Sometimes even they use some of parts of our design to print, uh, do like print, prints on set. I think David has a, a good uh, thing that happened in Prometheus with their initials huh. being printed. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that graphic design sometimes is not only about user interfaces. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what, so what, what you do machine, when... when uh, like the posters that uh, Peter did. For example, on um, Zero Dark Thirty. Well, we did. I think it, it's it's kind of hard to to put that into the FUI category. Yeah, true. It had some um, hard elements to it, but that was pretty much like you know a given, and everything else or most of the stuff was sort of like a, almost like a VFX rendered backplate or something like that. So, but that's part of the fun, isn't it? That you always have to stay alert and always have to. All right, you know, this is we we have the tools, we know how to do it, but 
let's bring it on. Let's let's push it a step further. So. Yeah, we do we do seem to be broadening our scope. So we, more recently, we've been doing title sequences for films. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll, we'll release some of those later this year. We've got um, we've done production design where we're designing the schematic for you know the X Machina cybernetics. We've um, like Peter said, Zero Dark Thirty. That was all from the ground up CGI elements that were showing the aerial footage. Yeah. Um, Sama's uh, layout so it's nice to just use that skill set and then apply it to whatever's needed um, so then defining it becomes really tricky of course goes back to that thing of sitting in the middle isn't it like the between the art department and between VFX so yeah. it's like it's own niche hmm. maybe in time we'll coin our own term for what we do and then that stick I think I spoke with Justin Cowsey about this and it I didn't record at the time, which I should have. <laughs> um, but I think he wants uh, FUI artist. That's what he preferred because he's mostly doing that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, it makes sense. Uh, I guess it depends. If you think about VFX artists, you have sometimes the subcategories of a rigger hmm. or an environment artist, etc. Ethan with master. <laughs> I think as well. I mean, when you're talking about um, what are we what are we called or what are we credited as, I guess like it depends on on the project. I yeah. mean, we do a lot of different things here. We don't really just do UI. Yeah, um, obviously, I think that's probably one of the things that we all enjoy doing the most. But there are a lot of other projects that come through here. So to be called you know screen graphics designer or UI it wouldn't kind of cover everything that we do even as a studio Uh, no that's what i meant you as an artist yourself yeah so i think yeah on a project raise that you know we're doing film stuff i I guess screen graphics for me but yeah motion graphics kind of is is even is a kind of general term in itself isn't it what does it really even mean all this great thing is is very sometimes it's it's a bit it's a bit weird because i've been great like art director but uh the only thing i've been doing is designing and animating (laughs) and i thought that you know sometimes art director means like just managing a team or over you know overseeing the work uh, so it's tricky sometimes you're even the credit you you got is not a very good description of what you did for that project yeah so yeah it would change a lot cool I've heard that in Mission Impossible Rogue Nation there were about 220 plus shots of dress screens that had to be redesigned last minute I have no idea <laughs> <laughs> so so uh, on Mission Impossible Mission Impossible. In Mission Impossible, uh, we were purely responsible for on-set graphics. Mm-hmm. So beyond that, and this often happens. So you can come in and do on-set graphics and not see it through to visual effects, mm-hmm. um, because the VFX producer has their own team that they like to work with, or whatever reason. You can purely come in at the VFX stage and and do pickups and kind of do changes to what was already done on set or and you can even come in on editorial and we jumped in at all different stages with our bigger clients we like to see it through the whole way if they're if they're open to that um and it and it works out for everyone so guardians of the galaxy we saw the whole way through we did pre-production working with the art department we went then went on set and helped supervision to make sure the graphics were right for the director and the and the shooting crew and then we then delivered in terms of vfx as well for Maybe what's happened is the edits changed a little bit and they and they think that they need to change the content of the graphics a bit to kind of work with the story. That's normally the case. Um, other times it's just you can't deliver that graphic 
as as a as an on-set delivery you know if it's a hologram as much as Ridley wants it it's not going to happen on set it's, it's going to be a vfx afterwards so we get we get different requests along the line and and it's you know it's down to clients again you know where does the client relationship live we're very we're very friendly with art department we know how to work to tight schedules and and deal with the on-set rigor of of getting it in front of a film crew but more recently we've been working with editors and that's been a great process to kind of see how they craft out a story and then go oh actually i can't tell this part of the story here could you solve that with a graphic and nick had a lot of experiences with agent 47 where they were they were kind of reshuffling the story a little bit kind of just figuring out the different story beats yeah there was a couple of moments where we could tell it a lot more efficiently and a lot clearer with a with a screen graphic than reshooting a bit of dialogue yeah so it yeah, so it changes all over all over the place. I'd be surprised if there was two hundred graphic shots in Mission Impossible in the first place. There maybe were a lot. Was there? Yeah. Blurred out in the background maybe. But a lot, yeah, yeah. 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 But so in terms of our our kind of key moments, we were dealing with Benji hacking the A four hundred Russian aeroplane was kind of the key one for us. And then the exposition around the mission itself. Mm-hmm. Um which we, you know, that was fine. We had so many director meetings about that one, getting this the key story points and the nature of the film required that a lot of it was going to have to be sold in visual effects as well so no it's definitely a share credit on that movie absolutely as a video editor i can totally see how having someone on hand that can just deliver you an extra graphic when you're missing a beat is it's just oh (laughs) (laughs) i think it's it's the, the involvement on different stages of a project Right, like because what we were talking about the Star Wars, we did a lot of concept work mm-hmm. for that, and we always like three solid months of work or whatever. But uh, in Mission Impossible, for example, as, as you're saying, like it's being like a, a, a mix and match of what what happens later on VFX, what screens are going to be replaced, what just like sometimes the script changes in the last minute, like happened with the Avengers. So yeah, it's like I think on Mission Impossible, um, when I was on set, when I was on set, it was. We had. Um, I was on set at the CIA mm-hmm. headquarters thing, which had like I don't know, six to seven screens, massive projection screens oh, yeah. all over the place. But uh, um, what I saw was that you know sometimes it's easier to change the green because you know probably it's easier for the director or for the crew not to put an extra sort of like strain on themselves. They, all right, we we. We shot the actor with that graphic, so we have to stick with that. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's easier to say, all right, just go green and, and, and we'll deal with it in post. It's a little bit like we'll fix it in the mix in music, isn't yeah. it? Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's really good. Sometimes it's, you know, can, can, be, tri- can be a bit tricky. But, you know. yeah. And part of our care package for films is always to hand over a drive with all of our assets on. So it's oh. really easy for a VFX vendor to pick it up, do a bit of a text change. You know, if they suddenly change the location of point A to point B or whatever <laughs> it might be. Hopefully it's nicely layered and it and it can all be kind of just slightly repurposed for that. We often find the worst thing the worst thing is stretching screens <laughs> okay. to fit you know, we designed it we designed it for a landscape screen and it ends up going in a portrait mobile. Mm. That's never pretty. Um, <laughs> which is why we'd rather be seeing it through because it, it only takes a couple of clicks for us to sort that out. Yeah. But um you or know for expediency it normally goes through completely a redesigned yeah. <laughs> assets. <laughs> oh we'll take that dial and those widgets and we'll just 
mashing together <laughs> and then put it full screen. <laughs> and change the color, yeah. yeah. Ooh, that hue and saturation wheel, this is fun. It's been a bit right. Invert. That happens a lot. <laughs> Although we had to invert stuff on Avengers. That, like For me, I thought the white stuff looked quite interesting. Yeah. So. Mm. Yes. You don't see a lot of white in your eye lately. They haven't been for a long time, in FUI especially. Well, yeah, I was hoping you were going to keep quiet about that. Cause we, <laughs> we've, we've got some things coming up that uh, we'll have. So, um, yeah. Uh, have you guys seen Killjoys? It's a new sci-fi show on sci-fi. Um, <laughs> uh, and it's, it's very Firefly-ish. And they have very peculiar FUIs everywhere. It's all in, an, in a kind of sign alien language thing. It's not English anywhere. And uh, it's all in white and black. Uh, sorry, in white and red, not white and black. Nice. And uh, yeah, it's interesting. It's completely nonsensical when you look at it. It makes no sense whatsoever. That's cool. How does it shoot? Does it look good? Yeah, looks good. Because I know a lot of DOPs used to shy away from red, you know, because it looks like the emergency. Yeah. Moment. Um, no, no, it's, it's, it looks really nice. You should check it out. I think, um, we, we, I haven't seen it, but it sounds like when you step away from all this like normal stuff, mm -hmm. you give that identity that sometimes a user interface yeah. needs. And yeah, Matrix, I guess. Matrix was like a core identity, wasn't it? Just that rippling yeah. text. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that is where we all talk about Jarvis and how that has its own identity. Maybe not in that case, not because of the style, it's because it has a voice and talks. But um, sometimes what we do is we try to give that identity for each different set through colors, you know, style, typography, mm -hmm. and all this stuff. And sometimes you, you start running out of color combinations for the same <laughs> film because you do eight sets and each set has to represent different, you know, different character or different planet or different uh, section of the film. And, and you find out like you're running out of color combinations. And that's why I, I found very interesting that you say like, oh, they use white and red. It's like, yeah. well, yeah, why not? You know, it's, uh, yeah. Speaking of your Hulk green. It's a really, really cool green. I like it a lot. That wasn't my choice. Nick, was that you? <laughs> no, I think that was Eugen. That, yeah, it might have been Eugen and Art Department. So Eugen's one of our um, trusted freelancers. Mm -hmm. Eugen and I worked together at Spolf many years ago. And yeah, he's a real talent. He's credited in a lot of the films that we work on. Um, he's amazing with colors. He loves his colors. Yeah. Yeah. He, he spends a little bit too much time on colors, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> you do, Eugen, you do. He managed to get that magenta into uh, Cho's all didn't he? He got it in this time. That was my Prometheus magenta. He <laughs> <laughs> said he would try to get that in for ages. <laughs> Patented. We would name the colors here, like uh, the, the Iron Man orange. <laughs> the banner win. <laughs> well, we can't own purple because someone else has already got that. So um. Yeah, that's Justin Cozy. Yeah. And I, too, I mean, I didn't actually work in the field yet, but... Uh, that was my jam. <laughs> Get it? <laughs> oh, God. Um, <laughs> I was thinking, because in almost every single podcast that I speak to designers, I talk about Ex Machina and your work in this. And I'm guessing all of you have worked on it in some form or another. I, I didn't actually work on that one, but yeah, that was, <laughs> that was before my time. Ah. Could you walk me through the project, how it went for you? Me first? Yeah. Well, I'll go first. I guess I took the briefing. Um, we were working with a graphic designer called Andrew Tapper and the production designer Marco and Alex Garland, obviously. And uh, just reading the script, you could see that there was a lot of thought 
and real research in the work. And Alex's only brief to us really was make sure that code is for real. You know, I want that formatting to be watertight. And we, we tried to as much as possible. So we've got um, digital developers in-house. So we, we checked with them and got them to write code and put little Easter eggs in there, you know, through the film. Some of them got shot, some of them didn't. Um, and it, it was that level of authenticity. And it was the moment of the two characters. So you, you've got a requirement to show a character that was designing the global OS for the world and based on Google, Apple, everyone else, we're all trending towards simplicity, mm -hmm. towards modernism. So we had to think around that, think around this kind of Scandinavian location and take cues from that. They're almost a, a controlling nature, mm -hmm. um, uh, simplicity, uh, sterility to it. But equally, an underpinning of then their characters being tied into getting to the code really quickly and accessing everything th through code. So we worked with CompuHire and, and figuring out really good, logical, quick interactions that told the story for Alex, mm -hmm. but would please the geeks as much as we could. Yeah. Um, obviously, there's always key story beats and your hands are full sometimes. You can't always give the authenticity that it needs because you'd need to tell a certain story point and that always needs to come first. Um, but it was it was a small scale project. It was low budget. We poured all of our passion into it because we could see that um, it was going to be a great movie. We knew that Dean Egg would do an amazing job on the VFX. And then through that kind of relationship, we were asked to do other things on the movie as well. So touchscreens, iPads, um, the, some mobile phone moments and the, the schematics mm -hmm. for the, um, the technical kind of mechanical room where he's assembling. Um, and there was a lot of backstory that Alex thought that he put into that around a billionaire and how he might commission external companies to build certain parts and then ship that in and assemble it mm -hmm. on, under these blueprints. So it was, it was great to be a part of that real rigor in thought. And it, and it just fed through into our work. Yeah. You know, we, ha we had to, there was no escaping that need to be authentic to it. Right. I guess for me, I was involved on after Yugen's design as well. Uh, some of the graphics for on-screen, uh, on-site screens, for what it was like the Blue Book, uh, which is the offices yeah. he is working from at the start. I was on set with the guys from Compuhire, kind of a supervising as well. That all the screens we had to create like uh, modular systems to do more than seventy or eighty desktop uh, background. Uh, screens and so we were like doing this and, and designing those screens with that modular system helping on that mobile phone interaction animations um, you were really involved in set right you, yeah you were having a good conversation with the director yeah it was great to work uh, for first time with Alex and, and we uh, when he realized that we were like well faking all that coding from from the main character and seeing our screens design in there we could like even talk to him on how to maybe zoom a little bit more from a shoulder shot. So mm -hmm. uh, as David said, like people could realize the authenticity of that code and, and our involvement on, on that thing. Yeah, so I was like having on designing an animation and, and pretty much on set. I had quite a small role on X Mac and I just picked up some design changes and some animation changes. I think that's, yeah, that's fairly, fairly quick. That was, that was that was a lot of work. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I helped designing the uh, schematics, and I did a bit of 
animation for the phones, which is like quite odd if you think about that. But I somehow ended up doing it. Wasn't Dave Penn involved in that one yeah. originally? So I think, you know, I had to pick that up uh, after him a bit. But the schematics were kind of like interesting because, uh, as David said, that, you know, we had to imagine how um, a billionaire would sort of like commission parts of this incredible AI driven robot yeah so um the the brief was to come up with something that resembles sort of like the haynes manual kind of thing mm -hmm. you know that exploded view yeah kind of thing and we got the fantastic model from from dean egg which we sort of like had to dissect and that was quite interesting because we it was it was beautifully designed but obviously when you start to pick it apart it consisted of a couple of hundreds of parts, mm. which doesn't look too good. Yeah. So we had to find a way to beef that up a bit. So we added everything that we could find, like little nuts and bolts, screws, all sorts of like something that looked mechanical or, or interesting. And we scattered it around in a fashion that that gave us that that, that kind of look. Yeah. And um, we had a few meetings with, the, with Andrew, the graphic artist and the production designer. So the whole design evolved a bit throughout the process. But I think it, it's kind of interesting because for me, it, it's a little bit Ikea, which, <laughs> which uh, probably comes from that Scandinavian kind of thing that we... I don't know. I don't know if you knew it, or, or I think at some point we were involved in, uh, or we sort of like figured out how the look is going to be in terms of the um, aesthetics. Mm -hmm. So that probably influenced, probably subconsciously a little bit, myself at least, to to come up with this Scandinavian IKEA flatback robot design. Let's just do the last question I ask every single one. If you have any tips, any recommendations for someone who wants to go into the industry, or in this case, come to territory. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna go through all, right? Uh, yeah. For me, if I'm hiring someone, I'm I'm looking for passion first and foremost. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, all four of the guys here have definitely got passion. They're committed to the cause. They care about researching the material. So it's not researching the film, but researching the content of the screen, caring about the data, caring about the story it might tell, thinking about how that connects to the actor and connects to the audience. And I know that maybe it sounds like we're overthinking stuff. It should just look beautiful. But I think uh, we need to move beyond that now as, yeah. a, as a medium, as a, as a studio that's working in this field. I think it, it needs to come from, if you think about costume design, you think about production design, they're rooted in a, in a, a thoughtful place. Everything has a reason and a purpose for being there. So detail and fluff, while we love it and we definitely use it, uh, we need to uh, move beyond that and, mm -hmm. and and connect it in some way to the material that we're to the we're working with. So, a care around that, and then just a real care for craft, and that's an equal marriage of design, composition, layout, color with motion. And you tend to get people that are really great at design and layout, and not so great at animation, and vice versa. Here, we definitely want the equal balance. We don't want designs that look great but can't move, and we don't want people that can make stuff move great but look rubbish. Mm -hmm. So everyone here has to have that equal balance, and it comes from technical knowledge and a creative eye, and and kind of this impossible, unrealistic uh, niche of of skill sets that we're kind of looking for, and it it comes out through time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. <clears throat> I think for me, as a um, as a personal experience, I would say like work hard, work 
you know as hard and as you can uh, the, of course you, if you have passion you will work hard and you will enjoy it and passion is one of the, that's one of, it's i think it's one of the main things you should have passion for what you're yeah. doing you know just work hard and when you see like you're you're reaching the top just change you know change and find new challenges get out of your comfort zone and uh, learn more stuff if you think you will need it and even if you think you might not need it maybe that will open more doors or after as I was saying before you know after nine years just of being in the industry and working a lot of shit sometimes it's like the good stuff will come at some point so just put extra hours um, you know late nights if you want just go for it and, and work your ass out it will pay off I know work your ass out (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't know what else I can add to that I mean eat your greens Um, yeah I guess um, so the question is if you want to work in this industry I don't know if anybody here set out to work in in this industry I think it's something that we all kind of just fell into and you know you can kind of talk about that now retrospectively and say what I guess what I might do if I wanted to work in it Um, I haven't really gone through the process of saying all right I want to specifically work in that industry and make you know UI for film so that's difficult for me to say I would say just the same thing that I do with with everything is try and you know I think of my kind of life as a ship and just try and steer it in the rough direction that I want to go in um, and then see what opportunities come up along the way. I mean, it's very difficult to force yourself or anybody else to, you know, take you or to for you to be in any specific situation. You can just kind of point yourself in that in that direction and and see what comes up along the way. And you might find something else that's more interesting or just something that takes you in another direction. So, right. just, you know, keep on keeping on. All right. You're defined by what you do, not what you say you'll do. So I think if you want to be something if you want to do something then the, the first thing you should do is do it so if you want to learn 3d like look at tutorials if you want to learn after effects look at tutorials like the, the hardest step and the most important step is just doing it so i'd say if you want to do it do it and then the second thing i'd probably say is go straight to the point and like be confident like if you want to work somewhere then show them what you've got to offer and email them don't wait for the work to come to you go ahead and get it so I guess in a nutshell, I'd say go out and do it and go out and get it. The only thing that I can add to that is one of the most important aspects is uh, to, to try to stay curious and try to stay sort of like hungry in a way that you, you never say that, all right, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm on top of the world. I did the biggest films and, and I'm, I'm completely done. And, you know, because there's always someone who, who does something better mm-hmm. or faster or nicer or whatever. And you always have to be aware of the competition and try to be influenced by them in a way that that drives you forward. You don't have to be afraid of competition. It, it sort of like helps you to be better and, and pushes you in a way that you are forced to come up with new ideas and new new methods of working and, and stuff like that. I think this is very, very important. And as the guy said, you know, if you want if you have a story to tell, if you are interested in this kind of world that we that we are living in, then you're more than welcome. Uh, just do your best and put the time in it and it's going to happen i think all right i think um cory said it really well you know he he started off in this industry not really knowing what it was yeah and then one day turned around and it, it we were suddenly all famous for it or you know it was very well known and it's odd 
I find myself in a similar position. I just started off doing something I was really geeking out about and then, and enjoyed doing. Yeah. And then one day it's suddenly on Pinterest and Twitter and people are doing <laughs> podcasts and things. It's really it's really bizarre. <laughs> it sounds a bit uh, Forrest Gump, isn't it? It is just a little bit Forrest Gump. Oh. Yeah, just keep running. <laughs> work your ass out was an expression. Work your ass out is not now. an expression. <laughs> it's not a territory expression. It's just a Marty expression <laughs> for the record. <laughs> I think it's, it's another quote yeah. for a uh, what are your eyes off? You're, you ain't in the end. Have no ass. <laughs> <laughs> Just lose your ass completely. <laughs> Just drop it. <laughs> That's what you know you made it. <laughs> right. Um, I think we have to call it here. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you for having me here. Thank you. It's Thanks been a real pleasure. Much. Thank you very much. It's to see Thank all you. this. And... Uh, I'll speak to you soon, online, offline, wherever. Awesome. We have a sign-up. Work your ass off. Oh, what? <laughs> <laughs> Work your ass off. Work your ass off. Go play outside. Meaning, uh, don't just sit in front of your computer. Go outside and experience life a bit and draw inspiration from life. That's the idea behind it. Yeah. Um, we do a lot of playing outside. <laughs> yeah, we all go play outside. <laughs> uh, Robin, hello. Okay.